Hi, and welcome to Travel Time. Our last stop on our amazing Mediterranean and GN cruise was Naples, Italy. It was a beautiful day, and the views of Naples from the ship were fantastic, so it was a good start to the day. There are a lot of options in this particular port. You can choose to explore Naples, Amalfi, Sorrento, Mount Vesuvius, Pompeii, Herculaneum. All of these destinations have port adventures options as well. We chose to do the Pompeii half day when we visited, and for Disney cruisers, that's NP31. It ran $109 per adult at the time. I really wanted to do either the full day at Pompeii or go to Herculaneum, but I got outvoted by the family. So here we were at the Pompeii half day. There are two versions of this half day outing, the regular one and the one for adults only. To be honest, based on our experience, I really wish there was one that was adults and teens or something like 16 and up. We ran into a couple issues I'll talk about where they likely wouldn't have happened if we were on an older audience tour. Luckily, we'll be all over 18 soon. We won't have to worry about it. So if we do return for another European cruise, it won't be an issue for us next time. For this excursion, we boarded a motor coach at the port. It was about a 30-minute drive over to Pompeii, which went fairly quickly. Along the way, we had some great views of Capri as well as Mount Vesuvius. And when we arrived, we first went into a cameo factory. So we parked at this little bus parking lot across the street. We walked across the street, stopped at a cameo factory. There was a bathroom stop that was available there. And in the description of the tour, they called it a factory tour. It's really not a factory tour. It's basically someone that that talks to you about the cameo making process and the history of cameos and that kind of stuff there in the cameo factory. So you're pretty much just standing in one room. The description said we'd be about 30 minutes at the factory. Thankfully, we were there more like 15 minutes. The description also talks about a gelato stop, which is actually not at the same time as the cameo factory stop. It's at the end or it was at the end for us. For me, this was clearly a stop to try to bring business to the cameo factory. The region is known for cameo artistry, but the challenging thing about the stop is the quote-unquote factory tour, as I mentioned, is just a cameo factory person that was talking about the process, but they weren't loud enough and had no microphone or anything assistive. It was impossible to hear anything that she was saying about the cameos. So only the people in really the front could kind of get the full picture of what the tour was about. So that was a little bit frustrating. I get why they're starting there and I get why they're, that they're trying to kind of reciprocate and bring business to this factory. I honestly would have preferred the time on the back end to be able to look at the Pompeii book, bookstore or shop and bring home a book on Pompeii as a souvenir. And we did not have time for that. The Cameo factory didn't have anything along those lines for us to get. So for me, it was a little bit of a disappointment. But after the Cameo factory, we went into the grounds of Pompeii. The walking tour of Pompeii is about two hours of walking. The terrain varies between flat and uphill, and most is uneven surfaces. So for mobility purposes, if any of those things are an issue, just be aware of that. The tour for us started by the theaters, and we proceeded on to what the tour guide described as kind of the theater snacks and marketplace. (laughs) Right outside the theater, for example, were the ruins of a storefront where you could still see the bowls that had been used for cooking and serving things like soups and other various foods. I personally thought that was really interesting to get a really cool glimpse into something very relatable, something that we might have had today in a different form, and to just kind of imagine people serving up soup from there. We also saw other market stores and food areas, including storage areas within the stores, and the streets have raised stones crossing the streets at regular intervals. The raised stones allowed for dry passage across the roads when waste or water was flowing in the streets, which was pretty common at the time. We had to wait a bit at the end of the street because the families with small children weren't keeping up well, 
And to be clear, this wasn't because the pace was too fast. It was because the parents kept letting the kids wander off and had to go collect them when it was time to move on. We were also able to see at the end of the street, one of the public fountains that remains intact. And it also allowed a glimpse into how water followed during that time and the sophistication of their water systems. We turned onto a residential street to tour the ruins of a house about halfway through the house One of the guides said we had to wait because the same family who had caused the earlier delay with people wandering off had had half their party just kind of wander off at the water fountain while he was talking about the water systems and they got lost. So we waited about 15 to 20 minutes for them to rejoin us. The house in general is a really interesting stop. And in general, all the houses that we walked by were interesting. It was a really good glimpse into how the Romans lived at the time and the flow of their daily lives, kind of seeing the courtyards where they would receive visitors and where their bedrooms at the time or where they would sleep and the kitchens and things like that were set up and how that kind of flowed through the house to me was really interesting. I, as a dog lover, I was also loved that he pointed out they knew they had domesticated dogs commonly living with them. And you could tell this because many homes had mosaics in their entryway that read beware of the dog with a mosaic of a dog. And this, he described this as sort of the alarm system of the time Like they were showing, we have a dog, don't break in here. So I I found that very interesting. We then headed on to the baths. We were able to view the remains of one of the pools, which include exposed pipes, which showed the sophistication of their plumbing at the time. So they would have like a hot water pipe and a cold water pipe, and the hot water pipe would go through a room to heat up the water. And before it went into the pool, that was a heated pool. So that was really cool. And much more advanced than I would have expected for the time. The mosaics along the wall were still visible as well, as long as they had some ancient remnants of ancient paint decorating the wall in rich colors. And in the Roman time, most of the walls on the external and in the public buildings would have been decorated in rich colors through paint, mosaics. My understanding is that Herculaneum is even better preserved in this area because of how their damage occurred versus the ash in Pompeii. And this is why I need to get there next time. But we also saw an area similar to our modern day locker rooms and were able to kind of see a glimpse into kind of what the paint would have looked like in that time through some of these mosaic, not just the mosaics, but the paintings that still kind of exist on the walls. The baths were central areas where a lot of socializing happened. Some graffiti even still remains, giving a glimpse into ancient couples and dalliances. There were also remnants of ads for theater shows and lectures preserved, and they have kind of a plexiglass over them on the walls because they're still up on the walls in some instances. We continued up to the Forum, which is the main town square. The Temple of Jupiter is at the far end from where we arrived. That was the central temple of Pompeii on the northern side of the Forum. It was built around 150 BC and is significant because it replaced the cult of Apollo with the Roman god Jupiter as the central deity of Pompeii. The temple was also the site of the worship for Minerva and Juno, the Roman versions of the Greek goddesses Athena and Hera. The Temple of Apollo stands north of the Basilica on a sacred site on the western side of the Forum. It was originally built in the 5th century BC by the Etruscans and remained the patron deity of the city until the cult of Jupiter began via Roman influence. It was very damaged in in an earthquake in 62 AD and was reconstructed before Pompeii was destroyed by the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 AD. The Pompeii Basilica was a civil and apolitical center built around 120 BC. It stood on the western side of the Forum, and initially it was a market, but later turned into a court. The Pompeii Forum Baths 
date to around 80 BC and are right behind the Temple of Jupiter. They actually had separate entrances for men and women's sections, and the decorations are still partially visible and very colorful. It was also heavily damaged in the 62 earthquake, but was in the process of being restored at the time of the eruption. The mycelium was the main food market for residents in neighboring villages. It was built in the first century BC and contained many small shops with a shrine to the royal family. We do know that fish was sold here because they found remnants of fish bones and things under a round roof supported by pillars near the center. So it was kind of interesting to figure out that they were able to, through archaeology, figure out to some degree what was sold where in that market. The Temple of the Laris Publici is then the east side of the Forum and was created as a sanctuary for outfaced Emperor Augustus and the state of Laris. It contains statues dedicated to the ancient Roman gods, patrons of the families, and the cities of Pompeii. It was an open area with a sacrificial altar in the center, but most of the interior is gone today. The triumphal arches also stand at the northern end and lead to another section to explore. When we arrived at the Forum, we were given about 30 minutes to explore on our own, so my youngest and I walked up through the arches and explored a bit on that end of the Forum. We saw the public toilets and some other buildings are included in the Forum area. The Forum was looted soon after the eruption with survivors and thieves rushing to salvage any valuables, including marble statues and other precious items from the Forum area. After a long period of desertion, excavation was carried out past the layers of ash in the 19th century, uncovering a lot of what the forum shows today. We met back up with the tour in the forum and proceeded down the hill past the Temple of Venus. There are no opportunities to get a souvenir or anything like that while you're on this tour at Pompeii. They appeared to have a really nice bookshop, so that would have been nice to visit. But on the way out, our tour guide did give us tickets for a gelato at the shop just outside the gate. One note on the tour, once you're given the tickets, the tickets are good for the little stand in the back of the gelato shop, not the gelato shop itself. So if you're on the tour, you go around to the back and get your treat. You'll have about 20 minutes there to have your gelato, go back into the Cameo factory if you need to, shop at some of the very touristy souvenir stands that are right around there. I got my gelato and went inside for a lemon granita as well at the same little shop. It's very good. One of my favorite treats in Italy, the lemon granita. I was glad to get one last one before we left. As we headed back to the bus and headed back to the port, just some thoughts about the tour. I really liked this tour. The guide was knowledgeable. There was a lot of walking, but not too much walking. The half day um, wasn't a bad time frame. I would have liked more time there to dig in a little bit deeper. But for what we had, it was a good tour. The pace at most times was good. I was pretty frustrated that we lost a lot of time that we could have spent seeing more of Pompeii due to the family that was being, frankly, really inconsiderate and disrespectful of everyone else on the tour by continually wandering off. And then we would have to wait on them. So we lost a lot of time being able to see things because we were constantly waiting for them to find us again or whatever. The tour does allow all ages, but I really feel it's more appropriate for at least age 10 and up or really 12 and up. We really just ended up unlucky on this. After the Cameo Factory, they split our bus group into two groups and with two different pairs of guides. We had moved and were kind of standing where most of the adults and teenagers were standing. But when they divided up, we ended up in a group with three families traveling together who had a ton of kids. And they moved us because we were the smallest party and all the groups of adults and teens that were in the other group. The group we would have been in was all teens and older And one we ended up in was about 30% kids under 10. It was really distracting from the experience for me. It changed the pace. People kept wandering off, as I've mentioned, and we really got to see less than we would have. If I were doing it again, I would probably ask 
a little bit more urgently to be in the group without kids rather than just going along with it, especially if it was that lopsided and there were so many kids in one group. And I do want to say, don't get me wrong, I love kids. We have taken our kids to tons of historical sites, both when they were little and when they were older. But I think that in some instances, kids aren't old enough for the experience. And you have to kind of be honest with yourself about that. While parents know their kids best, sometimes I think people aren't really honest with themselves about what their kids are up for, especially if they really want to see something and it might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Basically, if you're considering doing this tour with um, children that are younger than teens, some questions I would ask myself, are they able to walk with a group? for approximately two hours in pretty significant heat and stay with the group? Can they keep up with the group? Are they genuinely interested in learning about the history of the site? And are they going to be like listening to the guide and paying attention to what's going on versus doing other things that are really distracting? Can they listen to a guide and follow directions given to the group? If the answers to all of these is yes, your kids will love this tour. If the, if the answers to any of these are no, I would definitely reconsider whether this tour is for your group if you have young kids. They do offer a version of the tour that also includes a visit to Sorrento. I think that would be a really fun day as well, but may feel a bit rushed depending on how long they spend in Pompeii. This is a port I would very much like to do again, so we will likely have to pick up a future Mediterranean cruise that does Spain, France, Italy, and stop here again. But all in all, we enjoyed our day in the port. The price was very reasonable for what we got. We returned to the tr- we returned to the ship and sadly needed to pack a bit so we could leave the next morning. The cruise was a great length at eight nights, although I would not have said no to a 10-night cruise. The boys had a last night of fun with their friends. We had a great last night in the adult area with the nightly adult games. And then the next morning, we disembarked and took the Disney transportation back to the airport. So as we exited, we picked up our luggage and took it to the bus and then had a relaxing bus ride back to the Rome airport. At the airport, we walked back to the airport Hilton, where we had stayed before, and we were able to check in a few hours after arriving. We had an early fight the next morning, so we relaxed at the hotel, and one of the friends the boys made on the ship was actually staying at the hotel, so they were able to hang out with him a bit in the evening, have a last night of kind of kid time. Our flight home encountered some issues just like the way out, and we ended up rerouted to Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, and we had a very tight connection. In addition to the tight connection, we had just, by luck of the draw, one person at like every stop we went through, going through customs later in the terminal, getting flagged for additional screening, so... Like one person got flagged at customs. I got flagged when we were changing terminals and everybody else went ahead and I had to catch up. And then our last version, our 17 year old got pulled as we were boarding the plane. That particular time, I actually stepped to the side to stay with him. One note is at first they said they weren't going to let me stay with him. And I was able to tell them that he is 17. I'm his mom. I'm staying with him. And they did allow me to stay. I did see some other people still got separated. I'm not sure. I do speak French. I was able to ask in French, which helped immensely. Not everyone, some people had a language barrier issue and I think couldn't get that through, but they ended up having to wait right before they boarded the plane until they caught up. But I was allowed, I was allowed to stay with him and just stand near him while he was going through the process and kind of stand off to the side and not interfere. That was not an issue. So if you do get your child separated in that manner, you might just ask and try to convey that it's your, it's your son or daughter and that you want to stay with them. I didn't want to get on the plane and have him still be detained. So my husband and youngest son had already gotten on. I wanted at least one adult with him because he wasn't going to have any money or anything if they ended up not letting him board. So in any case, We finally fully boarded and we made it to Chicago. Unfortunately, with the last minute reroute and tight connection, our bags didn't make the flight and we were given a website to report it. The communication from Air France was 
completely non-existent, but they did drive down our bags to us very late the next day. Other than the Flight 70s that were generally, frankly, pretty common on this particular summer and not unique to us or our airline, the trip went very smoothly. I highly recommend this cruise. A few trips from a few tips from our experience on this trip. Always arrive a day early for any cruise, regardless of where it is. But if you're traveling a long distance, if you're able, arriving two days early allows you to arrive in plenty of time if you have severe flight issues like we had on the way in. And it allows some time to adjust to the time change. If you only have one day to explore Rome, a tour company is a great way to see a lot in one day and get tickets which avoid the line. Disney Transport is also a great tip. It's a great option to avoid carrying bags on public transit during rush hour or having to find a taxi with enough room for bags for the long drive. Also, read the know-before-you-go instructions and show up at the port at the correct time, not early. Ensure you have all your paperwork in hand in addition to on your phone. Often at a lot of these ports, and this one in particular, Wi-Fi and cellular is almost non-existent, so don't count on being able to connect to a network to pull up your paperwork. When you're in line, you you need to keep your paperwork and your passports out and ready to go and not buried in a bag because they're going to ask for them if you go through the line. This is true not just at this port, but any port. When you're boarding at Port Canaveral, any of the ports that Disney sails out of that I've been through, you're generally going to line up to enter the port, to enter the terminal to enter the ship and you're going to need to show your passports. You're going to need to show your, your different paperwork, have it out and ready to go before you get in line, have it in a pocket that's easy, accept, easily acceptable, and then just have it out in your hand as you're going through the line. It also helps if you have all the passports open to the photo page so you don't have to stand there and do it. The last one is just be ready to roll with the changes. Things are still constantly changing and we are tired, but home and of course already planning our next adventures. And until the next time, happy travel. Mm-hmm.